Halloween is right around the corner, and to help bring in All Hallows Eve, I wanted to talk about a spooky film. Today's subject is a movie of the supernatural and eerie variety. A tale about a man dealing with a recent tragedy, and who finds himself living in a haunted house. Starring a legendary actor and boasting some fantastic moments, it's a classic horror film that may be unknown to some, but loved by those who are familiar with it. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a mug of warm apple cider. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. a film that follows a man named John Russell as he enters a new phase in his life. Russell is an accomplished classical composer who just accepted a position as a professor at a university in Washington. We join him in a transitional period in his life after having just went through a tragic loss. After arriving in the Seattle area, he meets a woman named Claire Norman, who runs the town's historical society. During a conversation, she mentions that an old house is available to rent. Expressing interest, they plan to meet there the next day. And upon the completion of her tour, he resolves to rent the domicile to serve as his new home. From the outside, the mansion looks decadently eerie. It is a three-story house that looks like it could be the setting of Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Fall of the House of Usher. It also boasts an iron gate and a long straight driveway that beckons visitors into its abode. Soon after getting unpacked, he begins noticing odd noises and happenings in and around his new home. This begins with banging and water running and builds to more intense happenings. It isn't long before the realization sinks in that his house has another inhabitant besides himself, an inhabitant from beyond the veil. The title of our subject today comes from folklore found in European countries. The tales can be found in areas like Ireland, Germany, 
Poland, Scandinavia, and Spain to name a few. Though the tales varied from country to country, there are similarities among them. I find those similarities fascinating since these countries are removed from each other by land and water. Changelings were offspring of either trolls, fairies, or elves. These offspring were then left in the place of a human child, in secret, thus getting the name of Changeling. Our subject today takes that name for another meeting, but I'll leave that for you to discover on your own. Interestingly enough, the Changeling is based on the supposed true story of composer Russell Hunter and what he experienced when living in Denver, Colorado. I say supposed because despite people's best efforts, it has been difficult to find proof that he even stayed at the property or if the historical events of this story actually happened. However, according to the tale, he stayed in a mansion called the Henry Treat Rogers Mansion. In an interview, the writer stated that nobody wanted to live there, and because of that, he was able to rent the mansion for $200 per month. While living in the home by himself, he experienced unbelievably loud banging and crashing that would always start around 6 in the morning and would stop when he woke and got out of bed. Other things occurred as well. Doors would open and close on their own. Faucets would turn off and on, and the walls would vibrate. Vibrate enough to knock pictures and paintings off the wall. The haunting apparently grew so bad that Hunter was nearly killed twice and ultimately was forced to relocate. According to Russell, this all happened in the late 1960s. However, according to city directories and phone books from that time, it cannot be substantiated that he actually did in fact rent the property at the time. Nonetheless, it makes for a very intriguing ghost story, and one that would inspire William Gray and Diana Maddox to begin writing. Upon hearing of Hunter's story, they were inspired, to say the least. In writing the film, they spent six months researching events, reading books, and articles. The film itself follows Hunter's story quite closely, taking events from it directly and transposing them onto celluloid. Once written, it was directed by Peter Medoc and released in 1980. I wanted to highlight The Changeling as my Halloween week episode because of the effect it has. Now, it isn't overtly scary, so if you're looking to be scared out of your wits, this probably isn't the one for you. Here, there are also no cheap scares, 
no gore, and no visual effects. Instead, the changeling is multi-layered and a slow-burning psychological horror film that does a great job of being eerie, creepy, and beguiling. It has an unbelievable atmosphere that makes you want to turn the lights on and second-guess what that noise in the house might be. That effect is brought on by a variety of things going well, including the great score, cinematography, and acting. I personally feel that the acting is one of the main reasons why The Changeling is so effective all these years later. In the lead role of John Russell is the legendary George C. Scott, and in the supporting role of Claire Norman is Trish Vanderveer. The chemistry between the two is excellent, which comes to no surprise since they were husband and wife in real life. Scott plays Russell with a tremendous amount of restrained emotion. He exudes the energy of a paranormal skeptic coming face to face with the unexplainable. He was the perfect casting for Russell. He has such a wonderful seriousness about him that when other emotions come into play, they're that much more believable. He does an excellent job here, as he did with pretty much every role he was in. Come to think of it, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with him cast where he wasn't fantastic, which is a testament to his skill. Trish Vanderveer plays the role of Claire with a lot of sincerity. When I watched it for the first time, it honestly didn't even compute that she was an, that she was an actress. I thought that the person in the role as Claire was that person. It just felt that natural to me. I was impressed when I later learned that Trish had played Claire. In my mind, if you're able to pull something like that off as an actor, it's really quite impressive. Trish does a great job as Claire, and I can't picture anyone else in that role. Despite the film being set in Seattle, Washington, almost all of the filming took place on Canadian soil. A good majority of the shooting took place in Seattle's northern neighbor of Vancouver, and even the scenes shot on campus were taken at the University of Toronto. When it debuted in theaters, it received great reviews and did very well at the box office. This success has undoubtedly contributed to its legendary status. Some directors quote The Changeling as a source of inspiration for them, including Guillermo del Toro. Even Martin Scorsese has placed it on his list of the most scary movies, in his opinion. I find that horror fans know and love this film, but sadly to casual fans, it mostly resides in the unknown, which is a real shame. There's so much to love and countless memorable moments, scenes, and sequences to enjoy.
Of those fantastic moments in this movie, there are many that are noteworthy. Some are infamous, including the seance sequence and the bouncing ball, to name a couple. Come to think of it, it is a little hard to name them without spoiling certain things, so I'll try to refrain from doing so. One of my favorite moments, however, for suspense and eeriness, is when he plays back the tape from the seance. There's a great buildup in this scene, and it's worth viewing. I won't talk about it too much, but it's so good. He sits in a chair at a table, and he has the papers from the seance in front of him. And there's a big tape recorder, which has film reels, which he plays back and forth, turning up the volume to hear things in the background. As he turns the volume up, things are revealed that put certain events into motion. I used a moment from this scene as the hint for the episode, as it's an awesome sequence of shots and acting. Of course, not all of the noteworthy moments are frightening. One of the more mundane sequences is something that has always stuck out to me. It's super simple, and if you're watching the movie, you might not even pay attention or think twice about it. However, I want to highlight it, as it does a fantastic job of giving us clues to the character we're following that reveal a lot using very little. It's the moment in which Russell enters the lecture hall for the very first time. We see a crowded lecture hall, which has a curved tier wooden seating. There's no empty seat in the house, and people are standing at the top. The room is abuzz with chatter, as the door in front of them opens, revealing our protagonist. The space comes to a silent hush as Russell enters the room, briefcase in hand and sport coat draped over his arm. Looking a little intimidated, he walks over to a table and sets his things down by the piano. Looking over the crowd, rolling up his sleeves, he begins to speak. He says, It is my understanding that there are uh, 23 students registered for these series of lectures on advanced musical form. Now, we all know that it's not raining outside, and unless there's a fire in some other part of the building that we don't know about, there are an awful lot of people here with nothing better to do. However, we'll know more after the first lecture. This very small, very brief exchange between professor and student body illustrates a lot about the man we're following, and we can see him almost unfurl in this sequence, which is why I wanted to highlight it. The reason why I like this sequence is that for the first time, we understand that this man is respected. We get an idea as to who he is. He has clear value 
simply by his presence, evidenced by the overcrowded lecture hall. We can also see that he has many layers to him as an individual. He has a sense of humor and play, a timid confidence, and an intellectual seriousness all at the same time. It's something we see and interpret in cinema all the time. But when you break it down, it's quite revealing. And I'm always amazed by these little sequences of translation through imagery. I mean, if you think about it, in two minutes, I was able to ascertain a lot about the main character using no direct storytelling methods. It's pretty amazing if you think about it, what film has the power to communicate to us. If you get to rewatch the film, or watch the film for the very first time, keep an eye out for that scene. I'll be curious if you have the similar takeaway. When I first watched The Changeling, I really enjoyed the experience unfurled within its 107-minute di duration. I curled up with a blanket and hot cocoa and pressed play, preparing for something scary. I was pleasantly surprised to find a multi-dimensional horror film that kept me on my toes throughout the entire course of action. I found it eerie, creepy, suspenseful, and riveting. I couldn't tell you like I can with previous films how I came to know The Changeling. I do know for certain that I saw it on TV at some point in time before I watched it on its DVD format. And I know that when I watched it on TV, I didn't see the full thing. But I know that when I bought it, like so many other movies, I found the cover interesting. But more importantly, it was the name George C. Scott that pulled me in. Especially because it was him in a horror film. But up to that point, I hadn't seen him in that genre. I had seen movies with him in the drama, comedy, even holiday variety, but horror was unknown territory for me seeing George C. Scott. My dad had also watched it and had a lot of good things to say as well, which certainly helped. When I first watched The Changeling, I really enjoyed the experience that unfurled within its 107-minute duration. I curled up with a blanket and hot cocoa and pressed play, preparing for something scary. I was pleasantly surprised to find a multi-dimensional horror film that kept me on my toes throughout the entire experience. I found it eerie, creepy, suspenseful, and riveting. It's one of my favorite ghost movies, and a film I always think about during the spooky season of the year. When scanning my horror collection, as my eyes glance over the spine of the DVD, I always smile to myself, thinking of the great experience that lies within its duration. If you're in the mood to bundle up with a blanket, 
drink a hot beverage, and watch something eerie. Reach no further than this horror classic. If you'd like to watch The Changeling for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, I am happy to say that you can find The Changeling on a plethora of streaming services, including Peacock. Peacock is a streaming service with a diverse catalog of films, TV shows, and sports for $4.99 or $9.99 per month, and also includes a free tier. You can also find The Changeling on Tubi. Tubi is a service with a large variety of things to watch, and the best part is, it is completely free of charge. You can also find it on services like Plex and Vudu for free as well. And if you're a Prime member, you can watch it with your subscription on Prime Video. Lastly, you can also find it on YouTube and Google Play for $1.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.